Hey, welcome to Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. Thank you so much for being with me, and I hope you had a happy Halloween with your family. Hopefully you didn't eat all of your kids' candy after they went to sleep. I know I didn't because I did it while they were awake, while we were in the process. My son actually dropped his bag on the way to one of the houses that we were going to trick-or-treat at, and I helped him pick his candy up. And there happened to be a pumpkin-shaped Reese's cup, and I picked it up, and I pretended to put it back in his bag, and as soon as he took off... Ooh, I enjoyed it. I love Reese's Cup, especially the fun-shaped ones. The Christmas trees and the Easter eggs are definitely the best, but the pumpkin didn't disappoint, so I chowed down on that, and he will never know about it until he's older, and then I'll teach him the ways of Dad. But I hope you had a happy Halloween. I hope you got to do all the dressing up and decorating and have a lot of fun. We dressed up, per my recommendation, our little baby girl Jojo as Baby Yoda, And that was really fun. She definitely uh, was the perfect baby Yoda. Just her mannerisms and everything reminds me so much of that character in The Mandalorian. And I enjoyed it. So anyway, I hope you had a happy Halloween. And I hope you didn't give yourself a stomach ache after your kids went to bed and everything's good and you're ready for the new week. I want to talk to you today about a passage of Scripture that is directed to fathers. It could be, if you look at the Greek, it could be open to both parents, and it probably should be in a sense, but it's a masculine word, and nine times out of ten, it's directed specifically to fathers, to dads. So I want to talk about it because I think it's important for us to be mindful of and for us to actually obey and follow properly. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to hone in on verse number 4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. I know you've all probably heard the phrase, whether or not you knew it came from the Bible, don't provoke your children to anger, or provoke not your children to wrath. This is important, and I think as men, This can be a bit of a struggle for us, because as men, masculinity and testosterone sometimes interfere with our emotions, and our response is to break or to crush or to, you know, lose ourselves a little bit in anger. This is typically something that you see with men. You see them having problems with their temper. And the reality is, is when your kids observe you and they see you and they see you constantly losing their temper, maybe you're not directly provoking them to anger or to wrath, but when they see you react that way, it's something that they observe as a learned behavior. It's something that they may themselves likely adopt as they develop in life. Now, I'm not talking about them observing you being angry. I want to talk specifically about what it means for us as dads to provoke, to exasperate our kids, to make them want to be angry or to make them respond by having 
a temper. This is really important. Now, I like to joke and tease. I, I, I like to do that. That's, that's just my personality. That's my nature. I do it with all of my buddies. I have one friend who I, at some point I actually hope to interview. It's been hit and miss, but um, hopefully I can have him on the program because he did something special for me that he probably doesn't even realize as a dad, but he and I served on a youth committee at the same time. And we were friends prior to being on youth committee together. Well, once we got on the committee, we were just ruthless to each other. Like, I would attack him, he would attack me. I mean, we were cutthroat. And it was funny because some of the new guys who didn't realize that we were buddies, they just thought, wow, I'm new to this meeting, I'm new to this committee, and these guys hate each other. (laughs) Oh, it was funny because we would be even more extreme knowing that these guys had no idea that that we weren't friends. So, yeah, that was fun. So that's just kind of my nature, just kind of picking at people, poking fun, open about things. I just, I'd like to do it. It, it lightens the mood. Um, and I never really mean any of it. It's just, you know, we're, we're poking fun. So I do it with my kids. I do it with Frankie all the time. And Frankie's caught on. He'll ask me, he's like, Dad, are you teasing and I'm like, yeah, buddy, I'm teasing you. I, I don't really mean, like, what I just said to you was so over the top. There's no way that that could be real. So, yeah, I'm teasing. But, you know, he's catching on to the sarcasm, which apparently kids don't actually catch on to sarcasm until, you know, they're five to seven years old. And here he is. He's caught on to it. I mean, he's about to be five. But, you know, he's a, he's a year ahead of the curve because he's got a dad like me. I'm You know, I'm, I'm proud about this. But I do it with my daughter, Reagan, too. She just turned three, and you know I did it from the time she was two because she really liked the movie Frozen, and she has always been fond of Elsa. And being fond of Elsa, who was the queen of Arendelle in the movie, and as dads, you should probably know this by now if you have little girls, but I always joke, and I always talk about how I'm Olaf, the king of Arendelle. I'll say something that is definitely not right within the movie. And sometimes, you know, it's just kind of her nature. She's just kind of this feisty princess warrior type girl. And so, you know, she'll respond with a little bit of a raised voice. It's not that she's angry and I monitor this and I definitely don't do it. And I do it with a smile and we do it back and forth. Uh, There's a picture of her when she was a baby, just doing this like super mean mug scowl. And she used to do it to everyone she would meet. Like, you know how it is. You have a baby, people come up to you and your new baby and they want to interact. Well, she would just scowl at people, which was fantastic (laughs) because they were like, okay, we're not going to interact with your baby. And that made my wife happy because she doesn't want people touching the kids when they're young. I get it. But that's kind of how Reagan has always been. So she and I will go back and forth, you know, saying stuff that's funny, and she'll do it back to me, and, you know, it's fun. And while there's a little bit of poking, and, you know, you can stretch the word here and say provoking a little bit, it's not the intent, and it's all in good fun. But I happened to be at a house once, I was doing some work for this family, Christian family, and... What caught me off guard is there was an interaction between the father and the son. The son's probably nine or ten years old, would be my assumption. And the dad, I guess, walked into the room 
and did something. And maybe it wasn't out of spite. Maybe it wasn't to be intentionally mean, but he either pushed the kid or thumped him or did something physical to his son. Well, his son didn't like it. So his son did something back to him, pushed him or did something. Well, when he did that, now I was in two other rooms away and I heard this interaction clear as day. So the dad walks in, does something to irritate his son. His son is irritated by it, does something back, pushes his dad or something, and his dad loses his mind. I mean, he did something back to him and was going on and on like, you don't ever do that to me. You are not allowed to do that. If you ever even think about doing that again, I will kick you through a wall. Like he literally said, I should kick you through the wall. And I was like, holy smokes, man. Like, that's your kid. Like, I understand that he did something to you, but you started that. You did it first. And, you know, I, I, I know I know as dads, it's easy to fall on that authority trip. Like, hey, I'm, I'm the man around here, okay? I'm the dad. It, you know, we just do this man-to-man as it is sometimes in life. And then your son does something, and you're like, no. You're, like, you're not going to do this because I'm the alpha around here. But if you started it, and then you get mad at your son for joining in, <laughs> man, that's on you. That is your failure. The fact that you did it and caused that, that that means you need to go and apologize to your son. Like when he does that, you need to be like, oh, hold up, hold up. You don't need to respond this way, but I'm sorry I started this. I didn't have this intention. I didn't mean for it to get to this point. You have to man up and you have to own that. But that was a prime example of provoking your children to wrath. Physically doing something to irritate, to provoke, to cause that sort of reaction, and then losing your mind because the reaction actually happened. Like, what is the expectation there? I'm just going to bully you because I'm your dad? That's not what a dad should do. And so it got me thinking about this verse in Ephesians. Don't provoke your children to anger. Don't provoke your children to wrath. So I wanted to just run through Ephesians 6, talk about the context, talk about what it really means, and talk about what we should do instead. Because luckily I don't have to have a huge amount of experience on this. I can just give you what the Bible says. Paul talks about all of it right here. So If you want to, you can pull up Ephesians 6, you can follow along, but right out of the gate, Paul first addresses children. He says, obey your mom and dad, honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise so that you have long life, basically. And now it's pulled from Exodus and Deuteronomy, and basically the promise was honor your father and your mother so that you'll have long life and things will be good for you when you get into the land that God has promised you. That's the original promise. So children do this. Children obey your father and your mother, 
And then in the Greek, there's this word before you, it's at the beginning of verse four, it doesn't actually appear in the translation, but in the Greek it's there. And it's the word chi, it's K-A-I. And it means like even or also. And so while Paul addresses the parents, he says also, you know, tagged onto this, dads, don't provoke your children to anger. It's almost as if Paul is saying in a sense, Children, I want you to do this, but dads, don't make it difficult for them to try and obey you. Don't make it difficult on your kids to try and honor you. It's the same thing that happens in the previous chapter. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, you should make it really easy for your wives to submit to you because you should be giving yourself away to them in the same fashion that Christ emptied and gave himself for the church. He gave his he gave him his entire self for it. Pretty easy to submit to someone like that. So the same thing happens here in chapter 6. Children obey your mom and your dad, but dads don't make it difficult. Don't provoke them to anger. Don't give them reasons to not want to obey you to not want to honor you. Dads make it easy on them, and instead of provoking them to anger, why don't you bring them up in the training and then in the instruction of the Lord? Now, the training and the instruction of the Lord, this is, this is good stuff. You can go to the Beatitudes, starting in Matthew chapter 5, and you can look at some of the stuff that Jesus was teaching. You love your enemy. If you get attacked, you turn the other cheek. If someone takes your stuff, you don't ask for it. Again, if someone wants your shirt, you give them your jacket too. You show grace. You show under you show kindness that can't be understood. You love people unconditionally. You always provide the chance. This is what we should do in opposition to provoking our kids to wrath. What we ought to do is teach them the ways of God. What we ought to do is get rid of what we think about everything and how we think everything should go, and we should say, you know what, this is what Jesus taught. This is what God taught us to do. So in this situation, don't necessarily do what you've seen me do a couple times because, you know, he's still working on me, but do what he taught us to do. Dads, don't provoke your children to anger, but instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And that is how you will make it easy on your kids to obey and honor you. You teach them the most honorable things, the most righteous instruction that you can give them, and you live it yourself because when you teach them, you don't just give them words, you act it out so they can see it and observe it. If you'll do that, dads, you make it really easy on your kids to honor you, to obey you, and then you help them achieve that promise of having things go well for them of having long lives so that they can enjoy the things that go well. And so after verse number four, after fathers are specifically addressed, 
There's a talk about slaves and their owners, their masters. And then it jumps to putting on the whole armor of God. And so what Paul does is he basically reaches out to children, to fathers or parents, slaves and their masters. And while addressing still all four of those groups, he says, I want you to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and the power of his might and put on the armor of God. And you get to verse number 18 and you get to what this all points to, what this all leads you to. And simply put, Paul says, pray. Just pray. This is what I want you to do. Dads, don't provoke your children to anger. Why don't you teach them the ways of God? And why don't you be a man of prayer? Why don't you pray for yourself? Why don't you pray for your kids? Why don't you pray for your wife? Why don't you pray for your neighbors, your community, your home, your church, your place of business, your boss, your co-workers? Why don't you be a man of prayer? Why don't you try and put on the whole armor of God yourself? Why don't you aim to be a righteous person? Why don't you do all of this stuff? Because this is backtracking, right? This is backtracking to the beginning of what Paul's saying in this chapter. Kids, obey your dad. Obey your mom. Honor them. Listen to them. But dads, make it easy on them. Don't provoke them to anger. Teach them what is right and pray. And that's an important thing to do. And that's a whole other topic that at some point I do want to talk about and discuss, praying for your kids. The reality is, is your kids are going to live in a world that you have never lived in. The world in 10, 20 years is going to look a lot different than it does today. And how do you prepare your kids for a world that you've not truly lived in? Like, yes, some things will be the same. Some things will carry on and and continue. And the reality is, is some things will probably circle back around. I mean, it's happened with us. But still, there will be new changes. There will be, I mean, I think about, we live in an age where we have social media. But my parents didn't have social media when they were my age. How do you, how do you prepare someone for something that you have no idea is even going to exist in 10, 20 years. You can't do it. But prayer is a really good way to cover your kids. So, dads, here's what I want you to know. I want you to not try and provoke your kids to wrath. Don't try and start a fight. Don't pick a fight with your kids, because you're not supposed to be fighting with them. I don't care what age they are. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to try and make them angry. Ever. Don't make it hard on them to respect you. So don't try and provoke them to anger. They should never be mad because of you. But instead, why don't you teach them the ways of Christ? Why don't you live out the ways of Christ so that they not just hear you talk about those instructions and those teachings, but they actually see it. They actually see it for themselves. They see it played out. Like It's it's one thing for you to say, 
It's really good if you're a giver. If you give, you know, God will give back to you and bless you in a great way. It's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to be at the grocery store, be out to eat at a restaurant, and you see a family, and you can observe and you can pick up. Maybe things aren't going so great for them right now. And you call your server over, and you say, hey, I'd like to pay for their meal. I'd like to give to that family because it looks like they're in need. I'd, I'd like to bless them. I, I saw this one time, and I was older when I saw this. I think I was I think I was married, technically. My wife was out of town on a work conference, and this was before we had any kids. So newlyweds, my wife is on a work conference, and I'm having dinner with my parents. We're at this little restaurant, and I'd never seen my parents do this before. I'd never technically been with anyone and experienced it in this capacity, but it was it was it was visceral. It was it was unique and magical to be a part of. So my parents were at the booth with me. I guess they looked over and they saw someone. He was still decked out in his military gear. Okay, you could tell he was a veteran. Whether whether he was back just for a little while, or, I I don't I don't know. But he was there, and he looked to be with his father. And my dad looked over there and saw that. My dad told the server, he said, "I'd I'd like to, I'd like to pay for his meal. I'd like to pay for that table." And so where we we were on the other side of like a wall, but we could see over to see them. And when they finished up, they asked for the check, and their server told them, someone here tonight has paid for your bill. You're good to go. And they looked around, and they just had this look on their face like, why would someone do that for us? And I remember the man stood up, his dad started walking out, and he looked around. He never looked at our table, but he looked at some of the older couples that were around him, he smiled and he just he just kind of humbly waved as if he wasn't sure who to wave to, but he knew it had to be someone in the vicinity who paid for his food. And I watched I watched that encounter and it made it it made it so real to me what it means to give to other people. I mean, I had been a Bible quizzer, I had ministered already the gospel. I, I had I had been in a place where I had even taught on the importance of giving and what it does for you, but then I saw it in action. Then I saw it actually played out. And it's like there was new revelation. When, when I saw the impact, when I saw the weight of giving to others, it just, it opened my eyes to how incredible it is to be a giver. So, dads, don't just verbally teach your kids the instruction and the ways of God. Adhere to them yourselves and let them see you live out those teachings and those instructions. And that will help them. That will help them and make it so easy for them to respect and honor and obey you. You should want that to be easy 
for your kids because if they get this huge promise of long life and things being well for them, why would you not want your kids to have that? So make it easy on them. Teach them the right things. Live out the right things and pray. Be a man of prayer. And I could, I, I've done a podcast on prayer. I would invite you to go back and listen to it, teaching your kids to pray, because I talk about what it, what it means to pray for you as a dad, not just trying to teach your kid, because your kids need to see you do it. Your kids need to experience you doing it. But if you don't do it, and you don't know how to pray, what to pray, when to pray, if you don't know all the questions around prayer, how are you going to teach your kids? It has to be something that you do yourself. Same as with the instructions and teaching your kids to do the things of God. So let's recap. Let's make it simple. Let's make it smooth. Don't provoke your kids to anger. But instead, teach them the things of God verbally and through the way that you live and act out those things. And pray. Be a dad who coats your kids with prayer. If you do those things, I have a good feeling that your kids' lives are going to look pretty good. And you're going to play a big part in that because you're trying to, to follow the ways of God yourself. And you're trying to help your kids excel. You're trying to help them achieve and obtain that promise of long life and things going well throughout that long life. So remember that, Ephesians 6, read it, study it, dwell on it, think about the things that you do, catch yourself, be intentionally minded about what you're doing with your kids, don't provoke them to anger, but instead, show them and teach them the ways of God, and pray for your kids. Thank you for being with me today, this is Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads, I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I hope you'll join me next time. 